0: coming up on the Psychedelic Therapy podcast.
1: It was really, unfortunately, cleansed. Like, Ireland was uh, really cleansed of its uh, spirituality. And it's still, that sort of um, ancestral trauma or generational pain is still very, very present in a lot of people. You know, a lot of people still weep for the old Ireland, our language, our heritage, our culture, our music. Um, However, there is hope. It has been kept... Uh, alive by significant people in the country through the music and the, and the culture and now because of all of these plant medicines coming back into the west for you know 30 or 40 years uh ayahuasca was first introduced to Ireland 30 years ago uh, so I'm told and these sort of plant medicines I really feel and these indigenous people from all around the world are showing us how to you know, remember our roots, connect back to our ancestors, connect to the land, connect to the trees, the the beautiful medicinal plants we have in this country, and they're showing us different ways how to work um shamanically um and how to get back into those spaces and hold ceremony and ritual because the line was broken um all those years ago.
0: Welcome to the Psychedelic Therapy Podcast, a weekly conversation series with leaders in psychedelic culture, designed for therapists, healers, retreat leaders, and passionate enthusiasts. Presented by Maya and hosted by me, Eamon Armstrong. Welcome back to the Psychedelic Therapy Podcast. You know, before today's conversation, I didn't know much about Celtic shamanism. Today's guest, Dara Stewart, is a shining beacon of knowledge and joy. As a PhD in molecular biology, he has gone all in on plant medicine to support his psychedelic Irish brothers and everyone else who needs to break through the blockages in their lives. On the show, we talk about how Dara blends science and spirituality. We get into the origin and structure of inward bound psilocybin retreats, which take place legally in the Netherlands. We talk about Dara's passion for men's work, including the integration group he co-founded called the Psychedelic Brothers of Ireland. Finally, we get into Celtic shamanism and efforts to heal the broken lineage of Druidic healing. So, without further ado, here is Dara Stewart. Dara, welcome to... Psychedelic Therapy Podcast.
1: Hey, Eamon, It's really great to be on. Um, just having a fairly miserable and cold day here in Ireland, living down in west of Ireland, uh, wild, wild west as they call it. But uh, it's very beautiful uh, still, even if it is miserable. <laughs>
0: Well, it sounds mystical and romantic, and as a as a man with an Irish name and Irish ancestors, mostly way back, I I definitely feel that there's a certain mysticism on that island that um, I've not yet been, and oh, I'd love to go.
1: Oh wow. Well, well, you're very welcome, and yeah, Ireland is one of the uh, nations with the most diaspora. You know, a lot of people emigrated to the United States during the 19th or 18th century uh, due to the famine so there's a yeah a lot of Irish heritage over in the United States and yeah it's it's been amazing the last few years a lot of people coming back now and finding their roots especially after um Obama famously did it um, uh, a good few years ago.
0: Well, you know, for me, actually my Irish roots come by way of Australia. My father's Australian and, and his ancestors were, were Irish that got sent there as convicts as far as, as far as we know. So you know a convict at that stage was probably just anyone who who disagreed with the English. So strange strange the histories that bring us to different parts of the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely and I definitely love to touch on you know the that sort of history and how it's really shaped Irish culture and how there's a resurgence now in Irish people connecting back to their uh, pagan um, past and uh, Celtic spirituality. So I think we'll talk a little bit about that later on.
0: Oh, Oh, we most definitely will, because as we were preparing for this conversation, you brought up this idea of Celtic shamanism. And I was like, oh, man. I just personally want to know about that. So we'll we'll make sure that we have time probably towards the end of the podcast to get really deep into that. But first of all, let us start at the beginning because, like many people who are in the realm of psychedelic healing, you yourself went through a pretty difficult journey, what might be described as a dark night of the soul, and experienced a lot of the the pain and suffering that many people who come to psychedelic medicine feel. And that was an experience of a breakdown to breakthrough. So, you know, I know a little bit about, about your backstory, but our audience does not yet know about you. So let's talk a little bit about how you came to understand the healing power of plant medicine.
1: Well, it really started in my early 20s. As you mentioned, I did have a, a bit of a dark night of the soul and um, Although, reflecting back on it, I had no terminology or language around what was happening <laughs> until I started to uh, really get immersed in uh, my own psychology and healing. So, my background is I am a trained scientist. I have my PhD in plant molecular genetics, and I've spent, you know, 10 years studying science with my bachelor, my my PhD, and then I worked uh, full-time as a postdoctoral researcher. Um, And in my early 20s, kind of three things happened roughly at the same time. I experienced the death of my grandmother. She was the first uh, person to die in my life who I was uh, most closest to. I was in a breakup of a long-term relationship. And also I was um, undertaking my PhD. So this was quite a stressful time. And these three things happening more or less in the space of a year caused me to spin out into a a sort of existential crisis, the death of my grandmother. I didn't know why I was here, what the meaning of life was, how someone you love so much can be all of a sudden gone. I went through a bit of an identity crisis when I broke up with my partner and I was deeply unsatisfied with um, my life at the time. And then the stress of the PhD caused me... um, to spiral into a um, phase of depression and kind of high-functioning anxiety, unfortunately. Um, so I was really having a bad time um, for pretty much uh, a year. And unfortunately, I started to drink a lot. Like uh, most Irish people, we really self-medicate with alcohol. It's uh, really horribly Uh, entrenched in our culture as a a form of escapism and you know kind of medicating ourselves and not the best thing to use to medicate (laughs) so you know my path really started out on I need I need to change something I couldn't get out of bed in the morning I was having no love for life I couldn't find a joy I didn't know where my passions lied so you know I started to look to alternative ways to potentially make my life um better and to, to heal myself. So I started to meditate and uh, I started to practice yoga. And at the time, I had chronic injuries in, in both of my hips from uh, sport. And I started to get a lot of um, massage therapy. So I got really introduced into this sort of alternate way of life. Um, through the holistic world, and very quickly I was introduced to the notion of plant medicine, specifically uh, magic mushrooms, amongst other plant medicines which I've used on my healing journey. And yes, for me, there was really uh, no going back once I opened the Pandora's box of uh, looking within, uh, exploring my consciousness and then using uh, different plant medicines for um, different ways to improve my life and for my personal healing. And it's really interesting because I, I came across your your podcast because of the interview you did with uh, Bessel van der Kerk. And, you know, as a scientist, uh, being very rational and very logical about uh, the the spiritual world or the nature of reality, it wasn't until I had a, a cambo session where I had a huge emotional release uh, from my hips, and I was totally sold on the body having this sort of cellular memory where we uh, hold emotions and experience, you know, disease and discomfort based on not, uh, you know, clear, clearing clearing these out of the body or um, recognizing that we are emotional beings and emotions get trapped in different parts, and if we don't allow them to surface and release, then this is what causes the discomfort. So that's also how I really got introduced to your work, which I'm a big fan of.
0: Oh, well, thank you. And it's been wonderful to have you in our psychedelic therapy Facebook group, which is how you and I connected. And and for me, just starting to get to know you and your work and your thinking, the more research I did about you, I was like, oh, I've got to get this guy on the podcast. So it is a treat to have you here. And you, you brought up this scientific rational mind. And I'm, I'm instantly kind of curious here. When you first were exploring plant medicine, was this after you had gotten your PhD PhD as a plant geneticist
1: uh, no it was it was during the time and um, I was being introduced to lots of different healing modalities and you know the plant medicine weren't the main one at the start I was introduced to breath work holotropic breath work and shaman- shamanic drumming journeying with the drumming uh, embodiment uh, dancing so movement medicine And So all of these different modalities, but what really stuck with me was working with psilocybin-containing mushrooms because I found that these had the most potential for uh, exploring consciousness and for having that catharsis of emotions, you know, the the big release um, of, you know, trauma that's held in the body. Mm.
0: And... In your work as a, as, a plant, as a PhD plant geneticist and retreat psychedelic retreat leader, seems like a pretty winning combination from the perspective of that scientific mind. And I can imagine that many of the people who come to you—I know you do men's circles—and we'll talk about that. So many also of the of the men who are coming to you who might not be traditionally interested in in kind of movement and releasing in these other ways. Maybe won over by your credentials in understanding the way that plants work. Have you found that to be the
1: case? Well, I think people will resonate with different um, practitioners, you know. And in the the psychedelic sphere, we have you know a lot of people who are really into the spiritual side or the shamanic side. And now we start to have a lot more uh, scientists and psychologists, clinicians coming through. Who also appeal to a different and um, a different audience. So for me, I think what really helped was I got I got the the ten years of training <laughs> as a sci- scientist. Whether I you know didn't fully enjoy it towards the end, and that's why I decided to you know move out of genetics and into hopefully more psychedelic science as things progress. Um, but yeah, I think the the main thing I I really realised and. Um, as being a scientist was it allowed me to really cut through the kinda, the kind of spiritual fluff that we see out there it, it helped me get straight to the point i wanted to see you know the papers i started to read you know the experiments by Stanislav Grof who's a huge influence of the work we do at Bound. and i wanted to see you know what were the clinical practices being used what different ways were working in a scientific context and then You know i'm also deeply aware of the spiritual nature of the world so i'm trying to really bridge spirituality and science and not have this uh, opposing battle that we've had for so many years so you know i think the two of them can complement each other and that's a really uh, big thing about inward bound and having this complementation of the shamanic and spiritual with the rooted grounded psychotherapy and uh, scientific approach
0: Mm. and you're only able to do this work legally at the moment in the netherlands i think there's a you can do it in jamaica for example there's a you know there there are a couple places but the netherlands is obviously the closest to ireland for you to do this work so you popped over to the netherlands to build this retreat program called inward bound when did that happen and how did you make the transition from your own healing into wanting to do these retreats
1: yeah, well, like I said, in my, my early, early 20s, you know, I was working on myself a lot with all these different modalities, meditation and plant medicine, and I started to meet some uh, really amazing people for the first time in my, my life in Ireland who were really had a sense of awareness that I hadn't really come across and were, you know, really interested in this, the same things as myself, you know, like Jungian psychology, shadow work, um, and the meditation. Uh, all these great things. And I was like, whoa, who are these people? This is uh, wonderful. And also, you know, a big part of uh, my work is working with men, as you mentioned. And I started to really meet a lot of heart-centered men who didn't have this competitive front or sort of like trapped in their, their egos of trying to outdo you and be better than you. So a group of us, we started to work and um, we all started to work uh, on ourselves people had been working on themselves for, for many years um, before me. And then it was really about coming together and trying to put together a, a program uh, where we uh, utilize all our strengths and where we can um, bring other people in from all across the world and really allow them to journey in a really safe and held space. So my business partner and friend and co-founder of Inward Bound, uh, Rob Coffey. He's a uh, trained uh, psychotherapist and has been training for uh, the last seven years as a transpersonal therapist. He's also, he was a uh, professional kayaker and and outdoor guide. So um, he has a wealth of experience um, working in a, a shamanic way and also very deeply connected to nature. So Rob did a lot of his training and I started doing my training as well at uh, Dunderry um, in uh, County Mead and this is uh, run by one of the main uh, wisdom keepers and elders known as Martin Duffy and um, so he's really res- bringing this resurgence in Celtic spirituality. So yeah two years ago we really got together, we were out on the land here in Ireland looking at potentially buying a piece of land to call our own, and uh, the idea of Inward Bound was born, so that was nearly two years ago now, and since then we've ran um, over 15 retreats um, over the space of the two years, uh, group retreats and private retreats, and we've had people from all across the world, and uh, a big cohort actually fly from the United States, which is wonderful, so we've got to meet some really great people from all across the, the States and we've had uh, Australians, Canadians, and South Africans. And, and it's been really beautiful to have such diversity as well on the retreats, you know, all age groups, uh, all financial backgrounds, totally different stories. And, but there's always this really amazing coming together and, you know, um, shared common sense of humanity on the retreat that we're all here to work on ourselves and, you know, for ourselves, for our family and ultimately to live in a a better world. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I
0: understand that the retreats are about five days long. So we're not talking about a single psilocybin session where you go in, you have like a, you know, an eight-hour session. This is like a full-on container with a group for th- these number of days. What are some of the things that go on during the retreat that actually complement the psychedelic healing itself?
1: Yeah, great question. And yeah, it, for us, when we started to design the, the program that we run at Inward Bound, we really thought about, you know, a lot of people are out there working underground and, you know, doing like one high dose, having a peak experience and then sending you off on your way uh, so we really wanted to come at it with um, a lot of the clinical research and then also bring in our Celtic sort of uh, spirituality as well. So the on, on the retreat, um, everybody is screened. We have a very stringent screening process. We don't take anybody with the sort of more hardcore mental illnesses, such as uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, and who've had uh, psychosis or psychosis in the family. And then we we also um, couple the the five days with pre and post psychotherapy and psychotherapy on the retreat. So everybody who comes on the retreat gets three psychotherapy sessions. And um, you know, the first one to really hammer in your intention and motivation and to me- make sure that you're psychologically there to work with psilocybin um on the retreat. That's kind of a, a, a buffer one in case things come up, and then after as well and um, to make sure that you're you're doing okay and you're properly integrating and then we also have group calls as well either side so the program is pretty big without even the five days but on the five days yeah we we found really early on that one dose just isn't enough like you need to do the two doses the first dose really gives you this introduction to the um the sort of uh, mental landscape of working with a psychedelic and a lot of people don't or never have had work with psychedelics before they come on the retreat. So we found in our early research that the two doses uh, back-to-back work really wonderfully for people. And um, we also do all, a lot of this, the kind of uh, standard, holistic uh, healing uh, modalities on the retreat. So yoga every day, we do sh- uh, shaking, we do ecstatic uh, static dance, uh, we do uh, medicine song circles, cacao ceremony uh nature connection. And um, we have an amazing professional chef who comes on all of our treats. So everybody gets fed really good, organic, nutritious food. And then really for me, the most uh, rich part of the the five days is the sort of group work that we do together. So there's a lot of group circles and sharing circles and helping people go that little bit deeper into their process and through, um, you know, questioning so it's a really packed five days and and there's also a little bit of downtime because you know we all need downtime for journaling or contemplating so um yeah the program's great having this pre and post and then and then the five days of everybody being together
0: well i mean with with the celtic shamanist aspect and also the men's work i mean I'm feeling pretty sold on this retreat. <laughs> Do you have to come in with a particular malady that you're working I mean, we're all working on particular things. Is it, is it for people who are coming in with, say, depression or anxiety, or is it also for, like, psychospiritual development? What are people coming in with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, people come in for a variety of reasons. We have had uh, writers, uh, musicians, we've had psychiatrists, and we've had psychotherapists, we've had doctors, uh, nurses, lots of people from the healing profession who, you know, we're in the middle of the psychedelic renaissance and people want to have a taste of it for themselves. And we've also had a lot of people come on for addiction and smoking cessation or alcohol, anxiety, mild depression. um, But one of the main reasons that people come on is to and really push through this period of, of their life where they feel stuck. So having this like stuck feeling, block feeling, not having that sense of purpose, not having that creative flow in their life and, you know, feel like their life could be more. So this is one of the main reasons why um, people come on the retreat and, and do this this deep inner work. Some people are also looking to have the mystical experience, you know, I think once Michael Pollan had uh, released his his book, that was a huge boost for us because a lot of people had read that, especially in the United States, you know, that interview on 60 Minutes and people wanted to experience, you know, meeting God, source, uh, universal consciousness. So some people do uh, on the retreat, which is really beautiful to hear about when they experience these platitudes of all you need is love or, you know, we're all one. So just to hear that when someone is so enthusiastic because they had that direct felt experience is is amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I love Michael Pollan's line where he says, psychedelics make us extreme evangelists of the obvious.
1: Mm, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> right?
0: So like, we we are all one, all you need is love, love is the center of everything. It's like, that's actually... You know, on the surface of things, that makes a lot of sense. But after we have these breakthrough experiences where we really have a felt experience of it, it anchors us in that. And that really creates a lot of the motivation for the change that is necessary after the experience. You know, because the work is in the integration, the cultivation of new lifestyle after the experience. So to have that anchoring in this this breakthrough, cathartic, oceanic oneness is is such a beautiful thing and of course in our modern world people are are craving and searching for that. So I'm sure that you are not going to be at a loss for for business in the coming in the coming years. But it, it, how has it been in terms of COVID? You know this is taking place in in a retreat environment in in the Netherlands. Have you been able to do retreats during this period?
1: Um, so yeah, unfortunately we had held our, our last group retreat in March. However, the the venue that we're working at now, um, everybody is getting a private room. Uh, There's a big open space um, and the dining hall. So we can keep the required uh, COVID regulations that are being applied to the the Netherlands. Um, And everybody's getting their private transport as well. So we're really lucky to be able to work within the Dutch government guidelines um, Whoever it's, you know, it's definitely put a a big break on the year for a lot of people traveling. So and um, but as as we feel like people need this now, we're living in such a uncertain, difficult time, and we're really really lucky to be able to offer um this space for people to do the 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 healing work. Mm-hmm.
0: I wanna talk a bit about men's work. I actually have a bit of a passion for men's work. And a few years ago, I was giving a lot of talks about masculinity through the lens of the mythopoetic men's movement. Uh, I'm a big fan of the book King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. And I love the idea of being able to understand one's masculinity through these archetypes, the king, the warrior, the magician, the lover. Because when I grew up, it was that the to be a man was to be the opposite of a woman. So there was a very limited place. And so if a, if a woman could be embodied, then to be a man was to not be embodied. Um, if a woman could be sort of creative and free, If a woman could sing, if all of these things to be a man was to be the opposite of that. That was very much how I grew up. And I'm I'm totally not that. I'm very sort of flamboyant and fluid in, in my life. And then discovering the mythopoetic men's movement and these archetypes was very liberating for me. And I've actually found in my own journey a really nice synergy between what I can explore in the realm of psychedelics and plant medicine and the work that I've done in liberating my masculinity. For example, I had a really profound experience of of returning the exiled feminine into my being through an ayahuasca ceremony, where I got to really, you know, talking about the Jungian archetypes, got to connect with my anima in, in in a medicine realm. So I just wanted to tell you, you know, it's a bit about me, but I wanted Beautiful. to kind of set the table with that. When I think of, and also, you know, with my, my, with my Irish heritage, when I think of like the mysticism with the Celtic shamanism and then, you know, connecting with these deeper ideas of masculinity as a kind of healing, it seems like these retreats that you're doing in the context of a, of a kind of a men's circle could be enormously healing for a, a particular wound in our Western culture and indeed our whole global culture around the the wounding of, of of masculinity and the wounding of men that then leads to men wounding others. There's some really important healing happening there, and I imagine that this is one of your one of your big areas of interest with Inward Bound.
1: Oh yes, uh, absolutely. And before Inward Bound was actually uh, born, myself and Rob had set up the Psychedelic Brothers of Ireland, which was a group originally of nearly 20 or 30 men who were coming together to uh, sit in circle and to share their uh, plant medicine and psychedelic experiences very quickly. We realized that um, people or men wanted to actually come and sit in circle who hadn't done plant medicine. So the group really just started to expand from, from there. I think in, in the, the psychedelic brothers now we have nearly 800 men um, with varying degrees of, you know, psychedelic experience, but it started to really um, come into so much more than just psychedelic integration. We've been working physically in um, Dublin City, but um, because of the lockdown, uh, it's all moved online, except for we held our first um, men's retreat this year, which was profoundly healing. And it was actually a journey through the masculine archetype. So, we did a drum journey to meet our uh, warrior. We did a dance to meet our inner king. We had a sharing circle on on the lover and sexuality and what that means, and um, you know to be a man, to be a sexual man. And we also hold circles in our in in our local uh, woods or forests and um, in forests across Ireland, lighting fires in a in a ritualistic way with intention. And we also do lots of drumming and singing and drink cacao as well. So it's been really lovely to see the the men respond to the cacao medicine because I feel like the feminine have really owned it. And now myself and Rob have started to introduce it into more and more men and seeing this beautiful heart opening effect that this um, wonderful um, medicine brings. We actually, we did a, a circle on the brotherhood wound, and this, for me, was one of the most profound circles we've had yet. How men were really talking about the, the harm they've done to their brothers um, through bullying and putting each other down and physical harm. And, and that really, men hurt men just as much as they hurt women. And, you know, it was a beautiful, cathartic experience. We had a lot of rage for the, you know, the father or the brother, or the, the friend uh, that came through, a lot of uh, shame and guilt. And it's really amazing as well on, on, on the men's circles. A lot of uh, gay men will come, will come on, on, on the circles, or have been coming on the circles. And this gives you a total different perspective as well of uh, what it's like to be a man and grow up with a different sexual orientation. So sitting in these circles, we really learn so much from each other and work through our wounds together and hold each other and um, to to do this so it's been it's been an um, amazing deep work
0: Dara I want to acknowledge you in this moment the the listener can't see you but you have just such a glorious joyful smile on your face <laughs> and um the emotional the emotional portal for the king archetype is joy. Embodying that joyfulness is a, is a big part of embodying our king. And I just I just must acknowledge in this moment feeling that radiating out of you in this conversation, how much joy you have in creating this space for brothers to heal each other. This is big stuff. This is really big stuff. And uh, thank you em, just, for the I, affirmation. I, well, I'm just I'm just I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. I want to come <laughs> I want to come to You want to come to here. Dublin and connect <laughs> with my I come connect with my Irish roots. So I love that. And and I think what might be helpful too is, you know, our audience right now are are different kinds of psychedelic healers and therapists. And many of them, in fact, all of them are likely to be working with men at some point. And we talked a little bit earlier in the conversation about embodiment. And one of the things that's challenging for men is is, is embodiment and, and moving our bodies and there's a real rigidity in in our bodies in a lot of senses. So there's there's one aspect is that you you also mentioned you know the rage, um, the pain around you know the father wound, the brother wound. There's a lot of these different aspects that are very common in in men's healing. So I was wondering if we could take a moment in this conversation to think about what some of the things that psychedelic healers should be aware of when they're working with men with these medicines. In your experience doing these men's circles, doing these retreats, what are some tips or, or, or attitudes that you would recommend healers imagine when they're working with men that are going through some of the challenges that you've seen in terms of, uh, of typical male wounds?
1: Mm, yeah, really, really great question. I think for men, it's it for me. It's always try and meet them uh, where they are, you know, on their on their journey, and this comes with um, using the correct terminology and the correct language. You know, if you if you meet a man who hasn't done any inner work or spiritual development, and you start to come at him with shadow work and archetypes and all this sort of stuff, you're gonna you're gonna lose them at that point, you know. So this is really important one of the main things I found about working with men is that a lot of them just don't know how to feel. <laughs> so it seems they don't know how to really identify what is the emotion that is physically present in the body. All they feel is like maybe anger. It's like, okay, can we go a little bit deeper? Is it, um, you know, distrust? Is it resentment? Is it rage? Can you really tap into that? Where is it in the body? So a lot, I, I found that, you know, a lot of men don't have this sort of full feeling of the body you know and um, there's this disconnection almost like a shield or an armor is up to protect the you know the heart unfortunately and through this work I've seen so many men like de themselves and get really out of the head from the rational sort of logical sort of masculine way of being more into the felt experience the feeling the the connecting into that sort of a uh, more feminine nature in, in the body so and that's what I I'd, I'd sort of su- suggest, if that makes any
0: sense. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, that that boys don't cry message that we all got when we were little. Boys don't cry. Oh you know, yeah. That it's such a such a deep deep wound because there's so much grief in in when you can't cry. Where does that grief go? It goes to anger, you know. It goes to rage. It goes to competitiveness. And I think one of the beautiful things about these medicines is that. You're gonna cry, <laughs>
1: like, absolutely. You know, like and another one is a uh, man up, you know, <laughs> which is not not great. And it's it's really wonderful this year. Um, I've been nominated as a Movember Ireland ambassador, and for those who can't see me on the video, I have this beautiful mustache which I've been growing for nearly four years. Um, but unfortunately, there's a huge sti- stigma around men's mental health, uh, and especially in Ireland. Uh, Here in Ireland, we have one of the highest uh, suicide rates of young males. Um, And that's why I feel really uh, passionate about working with men. I lost two uh, work colleagues to suicide three or four years ago. Um, And I've seen many of my male friends suffer because they're afraid to really uh, speak up and speak out their feelings. Out of this sort of uh, cultural conditioning or societal conditioning we've had of, you know, um, man up or big boys don't cry or stop being a girl, or I won't use the profanities. <laughs> but um, there's still a stigma around opening up and talking about your feelings. So, a really big part of the men's circle is um, allowing men to take back their power um, from society and from culture. Uh, To be able to learn to articulate their feelings, to share their feelings, to be witnessed, to be heard, to be acknowledged, and then to be supported in their bravery and courage. Because I think for me, you know, it it takes such bravery and courage to be able to openly up and say, hey, actually, I'm not doing so well at the moment. Uh, I need some help and support. I think that is way more manly than uh, toughening up and hiding it away. So Hopefully we we'll, we will get there. The women are a little bit ahead of us with, with with their work. You know, there's lots of sister circles and women's circles and women's events. And now it's wonderful to start to see the the rise of the the, the conscious masculine or the awakened masculine, which will ultimately be there to to meet the you know divine feminine. And um, so, yeah, it's been really beautiful to witness so many men over the last three years have that sort of unfolding. And the armoring and connection back into their heart, and it's been really beautiful. Lots of heart-centered men here in Ireland doing the work, which is great.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. And you know, I think that some of the some of the medicine work can actually bring in some of these more macho men. Because it is challenging and it is kind of scary, Um, and so it's like, oh, I'm going to sit in ayahuasca and I'm going to do this, you know, and then they can find their softness in that moment. But perhaps they're brought to that space because it's a challenge that can activate that kind of masculine sort of overcoming. Um, Oh, absolutely. uh, A fellow who's been on the podcast, uh, Jesse Gold, does the. Heroic Hearts Project, which is bringing uh, veterans to ayahuasca ceremonies, and I think for a lot of people who were in that environment of you know in a military environment, that that sitting in a plant medicine ceremony that has you know it's a formidable experience, that that can actually bring them to a place that maybe they wouldn't be able to get to in talk therapy, or they wouldn't be able to get to in, in terms of opening up, just because they you know they're so stuck in a, in a masculine paradigm but once you're there with the medicine you know and ayahuasca is is my my personal close medicine but ayahuasca and and mushroom psilocybin both have uh, a spirit to them they have they both have energies that you interact with once you get there you can be the biggest tough guy in the world and you will have to soften because it just knocks you out of that default mode that you've been conditioned to think that you need to be this way and you just you get to melt and I'm so happy we have these medicines and that they're coming online more and more because the world needs it and men need it and the world needs men who have gone through this work and you know I feel a little gushy because I'm very excited about the work you're doing but I am I'm really excited about the work you're doing I'm really grateful and I and I love what you're sharing here for our audience today as well
1: absolutely thank you and yeah, to know, you know, like peyote and San Pedro as well, these are medicines of the heart. And they, you know, they check your ego for you and really drop you into that space of self-love and compassion and loving kindness. And no matter what background you are or if you're stuck in the, the masculine paradigm, yeah, I really love how the psychedelic medicines can and plant medicines can really just strip away those layers and connect you straight back into your authentic self. Your infinite um love capacity, you know this unconditional love that a lot of people don't have for themselves, and then once they do these plant medicines, they start to tap back into that space um, of unconditional love for themselves and when that happens, I feel that's a pivotal moment for people once um you really connect into that, then it just exudes out to all those around you and you know i'm i'm uh, I' a passionate meditator and uh, I love Buddhist philosophy so I find that those tools are really great to, to be aware of when you access the, the psychedelic spaces of connecting back to your self-compassion and Christine Neff an amazing woman as well she um, talks a lot about that in her, in her book because once you have uh, self-compassion for yourself then it's really easy to have compassion for uh, all other people
0: Mm, I love that, and yeah, I, I I remember reading that you'd done vipassana. You'd also done another um, ten day in a Tibetan tradition in India as well. You've you've done quite a lot of work, my friend. You've got you've polished you've polished a lot to come here and and be serving others in the way that you are, and and I I see that in you. I I really do. And let's talk about Celtic shamanism. You teased this on the message back we were having, and. I wasn't aware that there I mean I was aware of like there's a lot of mysticism coming out of Ireland but I I wasn't aware that they were actually shamanic practices and what you'd mentioned to me then as we were messaging was that these are being rediscovered and I'm curious if you if you have some juicy stuff to share with us about what you've been learning about about this this kind of this shamanism that I have hitherto been unaware of.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Well, we're like we're in a really exciting time and yeah, where do I really start on this? There's there's so much. But um, you know, ultimately Ireland we used to have a really strong um spiritual and um potentially shamanic culture to use that word, it's not the right word, it, it would have been druidic and um, from from the, the Celts. So we had a, a strong sense of our um spiritual nature, um and this is really seen through the sacred sites and the stone carvings we have here in Ireland and, you know, some of the, the, the artifacts that have been found over the years here in Ireland, we have so many sacred sites uh, across the country. And one of the most famous is Newgrange in um, the Boyan Valley where there's uh, really a plethora of sacred sites. And this is older than the pyramids. So this, this is actually coming up to, and um, it's alignment. So on the winter solstice, the, win- the winter sun shines in through a designated roof box and illuminates the chamber. So the whole chamber uh, lights up um, co- from complete darkness. And this, you know, these sort of marked points of the year were very Im- important to my Celtic ancestors. So we have a lot of Celtic feast days, which have started to become a lot more popular in the last few years. And we're actually coming up to Samhain on the weekend, which is also known as Halloween. And it's thought that the Festival of Halloween uh, was also born in Ireland on uh, Ward's Hill in in County Mead. So it's thought that our ancestors had this really strong spiritual tradition. And unfortunately, with the colonization of Ireland by the British Empire, um, unfortunately, a lot of it was lost. Um the forests and the trees were, were cut down because um, back then a lot of Irish people would have lived uh, within forests uh, in small dwellings. We didn't have any big cities. Um, in Ireland, we had the druidic class. So the druids would have been the intelligentsia or the, the sort of learned ones in society. So the philosophers and the law holders and they carried with them. Uh, the laws of the land and our uh, spiritual traditions uh, in the oral tradition. So unfortunately in Ireland, nothing was ever written down back then out of fear of that the knowledge would be stolen and then used for harm. So it's really unfortunate that with the coming of the the British and also with Christianity, so once Christianity came with um, St. Patrick, A lot of our old traditions were outlawed and banned and the language I'm speaking today, English, isn't actually my native language. It's uh, Gaelic, um, Irish, Um, and that was ultimately cleansed as well from Ireland um, only 100 years ago. So the British decreed that if you didn't speak English, you weren't allowed to get a job or work. So unfortunately... Um, the Irish were made second-class citizens in their own country and had to forego their um, their pagan nature, their Catholic spirituality, um, and adopt uh, Christianity, Catholicism, and becoming Protestants. So it was really, unfortunately, cleansed. Like, Ireland was uh, really cleansed of its uh, spirituality, and it's still... That sort of um, ancestral trauma or generational pain is still very, very present in a lot of people. You know, a lot of people still weep for the old Ireland, our language, our heritage, our culture, our music. Um, however, there is hope. Um, it has been uh, kept uh, alive by significant people in the country through the music and the, and the culture. And now because of all of these plant medicines coming back into the West for, you know, 30 or 40 years. Uh, Ayahuasca was first introduced to Ireland 30 years ago, uh, so I'm told. And these sort of plant medicines, I really feel, and these indigenous people from all around the world are showing us how to, you know, remember our roots, connect back to our ancestors, connect to the land, connect to the trees, the the beautiful medicinal plants we have in this country. And they're showing us different ways how to work um, shamanically, and um, and how to get back into those spaces and hold ceremony and ritual uh, and there's huge influences from south america from the native americans from the wictacara in mexico and um, so it's really coming to ireland and has been here for many years and, and it's helping to really revive um the the broken lineages that we have had here in ireland so you know a lot of people who do plant medicine know about, you know, working with a, a good lineage. But in Ireland, we don't really have so many lineages um, because the line was broken um, all those years ago.
0: You had mentioned someone at the beginning of the podcast,
1: Martin Duffy. Duffy, yeah. So, yeah. Martin Mar- Duffy. Yeah, Martin Duffy's been working in, in Ireland for, oh God, I don't know how many years. And he um, runs... A variety of courses on transpersonal therapy and shamanic pr- practices. So he has a shamanic practitioner's course, where he blends different modalities of um, world uh, shamanic practices. And he started to form, um, you know, our own Celtic practices, which have been there. You know, like I said earlier, we have we have Celtic calendar still, where we have the different holidays such as Beltane. And Lunasa, sewin. so we 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 still have an um, an idea of our connection to nature. The months of the years used to be and um, the sacred trees here in Ireland. So each uh, month has a sacred tree, which stands for you know um, a variety of reasons. Like I'm born in June, which is the oak tree, and the oak tree is known for nobility for strength. Um, for you know, unwavering when in in times of of challenge and amongst other things, it's actually funny as well, because my name, Dara, in Irish is actually Dira, which is Oak tree. So I, I still oh, need to, nice. I, I still need to ask my parents if that was a coincidence, but i've I have a very I' have a very strong resonance with with the oak tree, and I have dieted with um the oak tree and entered into these sort of psychedelic spaces, like, People would do in uh, South America with Nayarra or Bob and or the different uh, the different plants to try and really uh, connect to the spirit of my land and my ancestors and my indigenous um, my indigenous plants. <laughs> if that makes um, sense. That I, I love that. I had no idea you could dye it with
0: oak and of course you can. Um, I like the idea that ayahuasca is a plant that teaches you to listen to all the other plants. I, I heard that recently and I was like, oh, that really does make a lot of sense. Dara, this has been just such an exciting conversation and I want to go to one of your retreats now. I feel, wow, very, wonderful. <laughs> I feel very called. I feel very called. Um, do you do retreats that? I know that you do the men's circles. You also do retreats that are a full like men's retreat as well with the psychedelic medicine in the Netherlands. Is that the case as well?
1: Um, so we have we haven't done uh, a men's retreat with just psychedelic medicine. We've um, this year we've because of the uh, coronavirus we've branched out into running uh, psychedelic free or substance free events here in Ireland. So we've run. Uh, some retreats on the Autumn Equinox, uh, Lunasa which is the time of the harvest Uh, and we had our our men's retreat there recently uh, which was supposed to be on earlier in the year but got postponed. So the psilocybin retreats we do are only in the Netherlands and um, to be honest I'm really hoping that you guys decriminalize psilocybin more, there's more research so eventually and um, I'll have my own retreat center here in Ireland where we can welcome people from all around the world to work with our indigenous medicine, which is uh, the Liberty Cap or Psilocyde Semi and um, the Psilocyde mushroom, which is in absolute abundance this year in Ireland. It has definitely responded to the global crisis and there is uh, these little fellas popping up everywhere and people are out uh, picking them. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. That was one 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 point I really wanted to make was that um, the psilocybin mushroom it grows all across Ireland at this time of year, and ultimately that is our indigenous plant medicine here in Ireland. You know, people go abroad to do ayahuasca, to do peyote, to do ibogaine, but right here in Ireland we have our own psychedelic medicine growing up out of the ground, and it's unfortunately illegal. So I really hope that there comes a time when this uh, medicine is uh, seen as sacred and that practitioners can work with it, such as myself, without being um, sort of demonized or put in a criminal justice system <laughs> or something. And um, So that's, it, it, it's really unfortunate we can't work with it here uh, because it's illegal, but many people are working underground with it personally and maybe in groups. Um, and, you know, a big part of my work is running these magic of mushroom seminars to try and really promote the science and to reduce the stigma and then to also really work on harm reduction and safety, because I feel like psychedelics get a real bad press because, uh, people mix them at parties and festivals. So if these medicines, I feel are approached with proper respect, caution, acknowledgement, and care, uh, this will help reduce, you know, these sort of classic bad trips for people, Uh, who always throw that against you when you talk about psychedelics as a reason not to legalize them so yeah that's been a really big part of my work in the the last year is to start to lay the foundations for decriminalization of plant medicines in Ireland and hopefully someday yeah I can have you over to the our retreat center to do a super high dose of psilocybin for your own inner healing
0: well, I am a yes, so I'll just say that. <laughs> um, and you know, the CEO of Maya, which is the company that I work for that 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 presents the psychedelic therapy podcast, was actually part of the decrim movement in Denver, and he's very passionate oh, about that. So I'll yeah, I'll connect you all. I, I bet he's got some resources to help with that that decrim movement.
1: Great, and it's, it's the same with Inward Bound. It's it's such an amazing platform, and um, we're teaming up now with one of the leading universities in Ireland to um, start to gather more psychological data so that we can create a proposal to the government to say like look here's the science We're, we're scientists we're not some hippies you know so we've got clinical uh clinical psychologists on board to help with the research we're doing with Inward Bound and hopefully we can put something together to the Irish government in in the next few years to really show that um Psilocybin shouldn't be Schedule A or Schedule One, as I think you guys have in the States, and that there is massive uh, potential healing for a lot of variety of uh, conditions. Mm.
0: Oh, I love it. And there's so much overlap in the work that we're doing and what you're doing. So this is the beginning of many conversations, I'm sure. Um, and I've been just delighted this whole, <laughs> to be honest with you, man, I've just really like loved just your smile and your attitude and what you're giving to the world. We're almost at the end and we typically end the psychedelic therapy podcast with giving you a moment here to speak directly to the healers, the therapists, the people who are doing this work above ground or below, the people who are who are carrying this torch. Just to speak directly to your cohort of healers who are working with these different medicines around the world, what would you like to say?
1: What I'd like to say, great question. I think if you've got the call to really work on yourself, and um, follow that and just know that the work you do on yourself will benefit Everybody else in the world and that hopefully we can, you know, in this time of crisis and uh, global crisis as well with the environment, that we can continue to work together and um, to really change the, the way mental health is looked at and to change how we're treating the planet, to really support one another in um, this, this time of change.
0: Thank you Dara. Um, and thank you for coming on the show and thanks for I'm so happy you popped up on my radar through the psychedelic therapy Facebook group. It really has just been a delight to connect with you here and and have so much overlap in our in our mutual interest in men's work and psychedelic healing and I love that you're a PhD plant geneticist as well. <laughs> I
1: mean yeah, we really
0: got a lot going on and yeah,
1: in, I didn't know at the time why I was doing it. I just love science, but um, yeah, I had that connection to the plants very early on and I I think I think you know. I like to think I'm doing work on myself, but maybe the plants are doing the work on me.
0: (laughs) Oh, they they are. They sort. I mean, the plants definitely do work on me. I'll tell you what. I show up all sluggish and confused, and I come out like, yeah, it's something. I feel like just just all kind of moved out, and and then of course we do the work. Well, aside from. Decriminalizing all psychedelic healing substances worldwide, which we're all working on at the moment. How else can our listeners support you and your work? How can they follow you? How can people connect with you and what you're doing in the world?
1: Well, you can find me on Instagram uh, at Dar Stewie and my website uh, at innerwork.ie. Or if you want to join one of the uh, Inward Bound uh, five day psychedelic retreats, you can. Drop me an email at dara at inwardbound.nl. And um, if people want to support our work, yeah, you can send on any great articles you find. Uh, I'm really happy to connect with people in the, the field to share wisdom, to share knowledge, to have a phone call. And, um, you know, Cave Mila Falcha is what we say here in Ireland, 100,000 welcomes. So if anybody ever wants to connect with me in Ireland, do drop me a message. Next year, we're actually going to run our first sacred site tour here in Ireland where we're going to take um, a group of people across the country to connect to our site, to our ancestors, to the land. So if anybody's interested in that, drop me an email. I'd imagine we're going to get a, a lot of a lot of Americans coming across, uh, which is all, always wonderful. So um, yeah, please don't be afraid to uh, reach out to connect.
0: Yeah, and if you'd like to meet me, your host of the Psychedelic Therapy Podcast, I will very likely be on that sacred site store. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> because I would like to connect with my lineage. And yeah, I, I love the work you're doing. I'm grateful for your time. And um, yeah, we're definitely going to stay connected. And I'm interested in, in touching base with you as, as Decrim rolls around the world and see what you end up building there in Ireland. Because those little mushroom helpers popping up all over those sacred sites do sound like they carry a lot of magic. So so, I would love to see you have the ability to legally be able to create a healing container out of out of all of that magic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if maybe Tim Ferriss has listened to this, if you want to buy me a retreat center here in Ireland or you know fund a retreat center for us, I'd love that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know. It's like Tim Tim's Tim's the guy now where you're just like, Tim, I've got something cool. I got something cool. Um, and he's been a, he's been so great for this field. And also, you know, for me as a podcaster, he's shining a wonderful light. So yeah, shout out to Tim. And shout out to all of you listening who are in this realm, in this work, helping out people. It really is if there's a way to really move the needle on the trauma that shutters through the world. It is through these sacred medicines. I have no doubt. It's why I'm doing the work I'm doing. It's why my psychedelic Irish brother Dara is doing the work he's doing. Um, hey man, thank you so much for being on the show. It's really been a pleasure to get to know you.
1: Yeah, likewise. Thanks. I love your enthusiasm and your your passion for this field as well. I, and it's really lovely to meet you know another another man is doing the work, and you know I, I feel that the the days of the lone wolf are over. There has to be cooperation. There has to be, um, you know, a symbiosis between men and women, and to shift uh, the years of trauma that, unfortunately, we've we've uh, felt as masculine and feminine. So, yeah, by doing by doing this work uh, as men and the women doing it separately, we're all, we're going to come together. And uh, I'm just reading Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, uh, a New Earth and Wow, uh, I feel like the really the hope is rising. The hope is rising. So, you know, we're all going to get there together. Oh, it's so
0: nice to have that hope right now, and and I feel it too. So, thanks again, my friend. It's been a pleasure.
1: Okay, as we say in Ireland, we say Gurumila Mahagut, which is uh, "thank you very much," and "Gra moir," which is "big love." Gra to you too.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Psychedelic Therapy Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please join the Psychedelic Therapy Facebook group to talk about it. You can also share it with your friends or leave a review on iTunes so more people can discover the show. The Psychedelic Therapy Podcast is presented by Maya, a platform designed to help psychedelic therapists manage and measure client journeys. You can head to mayahealth.com to learn more. The show is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide mental health or medical advice. Thanks for listening.